You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks, we are here to talk all about Godzilla, King of the Monsters. But we're not only talking about Godzilla tonight, we are actually going to also be talking to some new friends of the station, the podcast that, you know, I'm a big fan of, and a lot of other friends of the station are, and you might have heard their promo are on, it's called Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra podcast. And they're mm-hmm. sitting, Eric and Eric are joining us tonight, and they are going to be our victims this week in the Geek Seat. And so it's actually a lot of fun and a lot of entertainment talking all about Jeff Lynn's band. And, you know, it's pretty cool to do. So very much glad to have you on. It's going to be great talking all about, you know, Godzilla, King of the Monsters in a few. But before we do that, we have our Geek Seat segment coming up with Eric and Eric from Face the Music Podcast. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Air Station One podcast. Now it's time for the Geek Seat segment. And this time we are being joined by Eric and Eric from the Face the Music and Electric Light Orchestra song by song podcast. Welcome to the show, guys. Happy to yeah. be here. Happy to be here as well. It's good to have you. I've been listening to your show probably since episode 10. A friend mm-hmm. of mine turned me on to it and he knew myself and my wife were huge Electric Light Orchestra fans. And we basically started listening to you and we had to catch up because mm-hmm. we didn't listen to the first 10. So we stopped where we were listening and we went back and started from the beginning. And you guys, you know, I want to find out how did you guys pick electric light orchestra to do a podcast about? Um, well, I've been into ELO since June or July, 1983. And I liked him before that too. But when I bought secret messages, a friend said, so is ELO going to be your group now? And I thought, you know, sure, why not? And um, I made the right choice because I love ELO. The more I looked into them, the more it's like, this band is pretty damn awesome. And, you know, I've loved them since 1983. Last few years, I would go searching out for a podcast. Is there an ELO podcast? Because that'd be really cool. But all I ever found were single episodes of certain podcasts they would just devote one episode to elo and that was it so it's just a matter of you know what i'm tired of waiting for somebody else to do this i'm going to do this myself i'm going to make my own elo podcast and i'll put it out there and if more than 20 people a week listen to it just that then that's not entirely bad so no that's pretty awesome actually and (laughs) 
you know, because it's there's not a lot of podcasts out there that go song by song by song by song. That what made you guys do it that way instead of just like okay, let's do these albums and have full discussions and such. Right. Um, the thing is, <laughs> I I didn't want to do a podcast that was going to be over in 16 weeks. Uh, being a fan, I would like a podcast that's you know going to last for a while. If I'm going to put my time into this, into listening to it, I want to, I guess, know that it's something that is worth getting attached to. So if I know this is going to be over in 16 weeks or however many albums ELO did, um, I'm not really going to be that, you know, into it. I'm not going to just totally invest my heart into listening to this since, well, that's it. Done it over with. Moving on. Um, so that's why song by song i as an elo fan i want to go into these songs i want to find these things out i want to know the details i i would like to hear discussion about each song because i think each song is worth some sort of discussion and um also to keep it to make sure that it stays short at least under 15 minutes per song because I don't have the attention span to listen to podcasts that go on for more than an hour. So that's Ooh boy. Be- okay. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you so, how long ours is then. <laughs> um, so if we're going to be talking about each album, it's going to go on long. And also again on me, since I'm the one who edits the show, um, I, it's takes a long, long time to edit an hour long show, putting in, you know, drops, cutting out our ums and ahs and stammers and, and just making sure that it's a show that's interesting to listen to. So there was also that too, for why it wasn't just album by album done over with quick and take a long time out of what I already have a busy week. So to edit down an hour or so podcast. No, totally makes sense. How about Eric W? How did you get involved with this? Well, he put out a request for somebody to join him in the podcast, and I figured out why not. Since he's doing most of the work, it takes a lot of the effort out of me. I just have to show up and provide a little bit of talent and sound better than him. Which is not that much of a chore. Exactly. (laughs) So... Uh, plus also I bring, um, I think I bring a little bit more musical knowledge. Um, we do like some of the same, same things. Uh, but he also hates quite a bit of what I listen to. (laughs) Oh, okay. And so, uh, when I listen to a lot of ELO songs, I, I hear a lot of things in there that maybe he hasn't heard simply because turning it on suddenly gives him rage. And <laughs> yeah, I've got, and uh, I've, I'm a little bit more familiar with a lot of the influences. No, totally understand that. Cause I love how you guys go into that until, you know, it's just, you know, this sounds like the Beatles. This sounds like so-and-so, you know, all the different influences that Jeff has had for electric light orchestra. And you guys go into the details and everything. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. When I put out the message on Facebook, you know, I was like, would anybody listen? Would anybody 
be willing to co-host it with me? When Eric chimed in and said, yeah, I'd like to do it. I was like, you know what? That would be great because he's not a, an ELO super fan. He likes ELO. He thinks he's, they've got a lot of good stuff. Um, but I am a, a pretty big fan. And I didn't want the podcast to be just two people saying, oh, this is the best song ever. ELO is nothing but perfect and dreamy because that's a boring discussion. So it was nice to have Eric along so that to counterbalance my, this is the best song ever. And Eric's kind of like, yeah, you know, I don't mind it, but it's not really that great. Well, that's one of the things you guys don't agree on everything. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it more interesting to listen to. Exactly. And then you have your critic at the end, of course. Oh, yes. Yes, Madeline, my seven-year-old stepdaughter, who is, I figured when I was putting this podcast together, I was like, well, what can we do? And I thought, we'll include Madeline in here. And I thought that she could represent the future of humanity as, you know, what what will the future of humanity think of ELO? And she's seven years old and... Every week I play her a song and she listens to it and she says whether she likes it or she hates it. And so far she likes a lot of ELO, which is, I, I'm really glad to hear. So it's good that I'm having a, a strong influence on, on my seven-year-old stepdaughter. Which is pretty awesome. <laughs> you know, it, it really is because, you know, most bands, a lot of bands kind of have a shelf life. And once that is over with, the younger generation drifts off to other music and they're kind of like music from the seventies. That's a long time ago. I really don't care too much about it, but, and this is something that I've noticed with ELO in the last few years, younger generations, kids born in the nineties are picking up on it and they're like, Hey man, I really like ELO. Mm -hmm. I'm when I was in high school and this was in the eighties when ELO wasn't, you know, so long ago i would say i like the electric light orchestra and 98 percent of the time i would get back from people my own age you like classical music and uh i would just kind of shake my head and walk away that's the best thing you could do (laughs) yeah i totally understand that yeah but when i went back to college in the early 2000s in my 40s and i and they say oh who do you like and i'd say i like electric light orchestra fully expecting to get you like classical music but instead from these kids to me in their 20s they're like oh i love elo mr blue sky and telephone line they're freaking great so (laughs) it's great how elo has made a resurgence and not just with you know people my age i'm trying not to say older people but people who were alive in the 70s and 80s and and heard them when they were new. These are people who were born after ELO fizzled out. Oh, sure. Of course. And, you know, when Jeff went off to do his production work and such and producing albums and our traveling Wilburys type stuff. Yeah. So totally understand that. That's pretty cool, though. Honestly, I'm still agog by it because I just spent so many years in the 80s and 90s and most of the aughts. Just, you know, I like, I like ELO and, and just getting the blank stare. So it's just still like, that's so freaking cool. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's cool because, you know, it's something that you love and you're sharing it now with the world. Yes. And, yes. you know, and someday Jeff Lynn will actually listen. 
Uh oh. Excuse me. Appreciates what we do and doesn't. Um, no cease and desist letters. Come on. That that that's what we're always concerned about here. I've, um, I've only gotten one, so it's okay. Uh, yeah, YouTube sends me um, copyright notifications. Um, most of the time, they say, "Okay, we'll allow this," but whatever you know, money comes in from, or they're going to stick ads in there and whatever, and they'll keep an, an eye on the hits, which isn't much on YouTube. Um, most of them haven't cleared 10, but whatever money comes in from that advertising goes to the copyright holders, except for the big hits. They'll send me a notice saying, no, we're not posting this. You can file a dispute. And I have, and I hide behind fair use because we're using clips of the songs for educational and critiquing purposes. So sure. And that should be legal. Yeah. And I just got back today notices from YouTube saying, no, they're not going to buy that for those songs that you disputed. So we'll have to hide those videos because uh, the show is on Podbean and you can rig it so that Podbean, when your show posts, it'll automatically also post to YouTube. Right. So that saves me a whole lot of work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, trust me, somebody who's self-hosted like ourselves, <laughs> it is yeah. a lot of work. So yeah. how can people find you guys? I'm behind the couch usually. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Along with um, a sock. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know if we want to go that much. Oh, no, wow. Okay. Well, there. Well, no, you're going in a completely different direction than I was with that. I was going for lost <laughs> sock. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Podbean, uh, Mixcloud. We just ran out of space on uh, Podomatic. So, but Podbean for sure. Just do a Google search for Face the Music, colon, an Electric Light Orchestra song by song podcast, and links should pop right up. And go to the Podbean. We're also at, um, what is it called? Patreon. <laughs> Hey, yes. we're at Patreon, and for just at least $1 per episode, if you subscribe, $4 a month, you can hear the next week's episode a week before the rest of the world hears it, So, except for our bonus tracks episode, which is where we actually discuss the album and reply to comments about songs that we had just covered. So those we do album by album, and they're usually, I aim for an hour, sometimes they go a little over. So that is awesome. We will also have links for your guys' stuff in our show notes yeah. and also up on our Facebook page too. Cool. So people will definitely be able to find you and you might get one or two more listeners, you know. Hey, yeah. I don't take whatever we can get. You know, our yeah. 10 our 10 fans would love to hear you guys. I, it it all adds up. Exactly. Sounds like it, 10 more than than that listen to my radio show, so. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Eric has a show. You should plug that show, Eric. While people yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's called Vinyl Casserole. It's every Sunday at 12 p.m. Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on maxradio.ca. Oh, that is awesome. And yeah. definitely give them a listen. Mm -hmm. It's definitely worth listening to, folks. And the podcast is amazing. But, you know, we've been trying to calm you guys down and you know keep you guys nice and calm but the real reason we invited you guys here is you guys decided to take a shot at the geek seat i i i am just a grab bag of geek interest so uh there's 
for me to be cool, I, I, you know, I'd cool with the geek people because, mm-hmm. you know, model railroading, Legos, Doctor Who, Star Trek, Star Wars, old That's... radio. It's I, Weird Al. It's uh, Doctor Demento. Um, that is nothing awesome. about me that's cool. <laughs> you know what? Every geek is cool in their own way. You're damn right. Exactly. Trust <laughs> me. And we love our geeks at home, so this is even better. Yeah. So you're going to be joining into greatness, and you know we've had celebrities, we've had artists, we've had musicians, we've had regular podcasters, we've had weird podcasters, we've had everybody you could think of as who we've had on the show has at least taken a shot at the geek seat. Some survive, some not so much, but you know, we've only had one person, you know, get into tears over it. So it's not too, too bad. That's okay. I'm a tough bastard. I can take it. All right. So are both of you guys going to do it or is it just going to be Eric Johnson? Uh, we're both going to do it. Yeah, awesome. I'm curious to hear what Eric uh, has to say. Okay. So first question, in the geek seat, what was your favorite geek out moment? Well, my favorite geek out moment was finding copies of the Rolling Stones, Heart of Stone and Time Out of Mind at a thrift store for 25 cents a piece. Wow. Ooh, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. Those things are worth about $400, $500 a piece. So, yes. <laughs> you were like doing a happy dance in the store right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, mine was about a, a radio personality. Back in the early 80s, there was a guy in Phoenix on KZZP, morning man named Jonathan Brandmeier. And I happened to be listening on the day of his very first show. And like, as soon as I heard him, I was like, that, I want to do what that guy was doing. I was 11 years old and he was having the time of his life and getting paid a lot for it. And I listened to every one of his shows and he moved on to Chicago in 1983. But I've always wanted that first show. It's like that that moment that many people have where something just grabs you and it's just, I must, that just leaves a huge mark on your life. Some people, it may have been the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, you know, so that's sort of my Beatles on Ed Sullivan moment. But I figured the only way I'm ever going to find that show is if I steal a TARDIS or break into Jonathan Brammeyer's house and rifle through his old tapes. But one of my fra- one of my Facebook friends is Steve Goddard, and he worked with Brandmeier back on uh, KZZP. He is just a radio pack rat. He's worked at so many stations, and he's got so much cool stuff. He's just a, a radio history dump. And going through his stuff, he happened to find full with commercials, news, and music. Brand Meyer's very first show that I have been looking for since February 10th, 1981. Wow. And I was just, <gasps> <laughs> you, you got to get that to me. So he hasn't gotten to it me yet, but he says, yeah, I'm going to get this to you. Don't worry. I got, to, I got to get your stuff together and you'll be getting this. And I'm, I'm just, just that sent me into a super geek out moment, but the moment that thing winds up in my inbox and I start listening to it, I, I am just going to geekgasm like, like nothing. It's going to be, it just blows my mind to think that after almost 39 years of wishing I could hear that show and thinking that's not going to happen. I, oh my God. It, finally it's, it's on its way to happening. That is awesome, man. That yeah. is awesome. Mm-hmm. What was your most disappointing geek out moment though? 
As for me, uh, the Phantom Menace. <laughs> You're not alone on that one. I went in thinking, I've been waiting 16 years for this. And then I came out thinking, I waited 16 years for this? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was the original Stargate movie. Really? Yeah. Not, not the series. I loved the series. And I loved, I loved actually all the series that came out for that thing. But the original movie... I had seen the trailers for it, and I was going, oh, my God, this has so much excellent stuff in it. It looks like it's going to be the most original thing on Earth, and saw it on a press pass and uh, was glad I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, wow. this is long before I was really um, – where I really knew a lot about Roland Emmerich and how a lot of his movies can be rather disappointing. <laughs> so. Okay. And you yeah. probably, when they announced the TV series, you were like, why are they doing that? Exactly. And at first I didn't watch it, but then after, when it moved to sci-fi, I started watching and I was, oh, this is so much better than the movie ever was. Totally understand that. Yeah. Totally understand that. What geeks you guys out the most? For me, it's that feeling when you hear something new and it really it really gets you that you're listening to some that you're listening to or watching something or reading something that you know is historical and you know you're getting into it on the ground floor uh you rarely get that feeling when you get older it's more something you feel when you're a lot younger and you're really discovering things so it's always nice when you're uh when you're in your 40s to still find stuff that's actually new even if it might not be new to everybody else if it's new to you and it really grabs you that's that's my favorite uh type of thing uh when it comes when it comes to uh geeking out sure that's actually pretty cool i kind of like that okay <laughs> um for me it's legos when i get the email in my when i get the you know when i get the notice in my email that legos have new sets and i look through on their website and say, Oh, that is so cool. I got to have that set. Oh, I got to have that one. Oh my God. And I, in my apartment in Phoenix, um, since I moved to Illinois, my wife has a small apartment. There's no room for it. It's in storage, but we're going to get a house and I'm going to put it all back out. But I had a Lego land in the living room of my apartment that took up half the space. There were Lego trains that went through the living room into the bedroom under my bed, back out into the living room. So I Legos totally send me off to like, oh, I got to have that. That is so cool. I can't wait to build that and put that in my Lego land. That's going to be so neat. So, oh, that is awesome. Yeah. That is cool. So do you go to like the shows and everything? Um, I, I did go to the comic con in Phoenix in 2012. And I, I thought the, ast I thought the coolest things there were the astromech droids and the big Lego setups. I thought that were, those were cool. We, there's a, a Lego show that's coming up August, I think, and um, money willing. And if we all have the day off, yeah, I think we'll go to that. So That would be awesome for you. Mm -hmm. What turns your geek off? Pandering. <laughs> Honestly, uh I've seen so much pandering to Generation X when we were growing up. I see so much pandering to millennials now. And when it comes to geeks, since geek culture is almost mainstream culture now, I see so much uh, 
it's it's just they try to gear all this stuff, all these collectors' items, all these movies, and everything to try and capture something that you can't really capture using math and using consumer uh, consumer planning or I'm trying I'm trying to think of the word here uh, surveys. Uh, you can't you can't really capture it the way you would organically about everything that's ever grown in geek culture and cult movie culture and everything else has always been it was there somebody discovered it and everyone else went oh yeah this is great it wasn't hey guess what i've got for you Mm -hmm. exactly Uh, you can add that to the list of reasons why i couldn't stand the big bang theory oh god it it did feel pandering it was too easy yeah yeah uh, what my turn? What what turns my geek off is uh, honestly, it's a recent thing. It's when people kind of use what your geek is as a way to control you. Uh, back to the radio thing, KZZP in the early '80s kind of has a, a a latch on my nostalgia in me, and it's not just Brandmeier shows. If you, if you've got like a really good air check of one of the DJs that I liked that worked there, I, you know, give it to me. And I had a, a associate, <laughs> another loon who for KCZP and he had a Dave Otto show and it was his last show on KCZP before he left and Brammeyer came in and I was like, Oh, cool. Send that to me. He was like, okay, but you have to tell Dave Otto that I have this show and tell him that if he wants it, he can email it to me or he can email me. And when I hear from him, then I'll give you the show. And I'm just like, oh, just give me the damn show. Don't make me jump through hoops and be your little puppy dog because he wanted the credit. And I'm just like thinking, I, I, it's a radio show from 1980. What, what are you going to get? What am I going to steal from you by just having, having you ship that show to me without going through, you know, all of this stuff? I, yeah, it's, it's not like, hey, babes. Hey, 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 people. I got Dave Otto's December 19th, 1980 show. Let's start making, yeah, let's start bringing in that money and babes that this kind of thing gets you. It's like, mm-hmm. God, just so. So I got mad. And he was like, you know what? Don't ever write to me again. And I'm kind of like, you know, I'm good with that arrangement. Especially wow. now that I have Steve Goddard, who was a bottomless pit of radio archives. So I've, I've got better friends who don't like, you know, get some sort of power trip on over. I have something you want, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Ugh, I don't like yeah. people like that. Yeah, I totally agree with those. Wow, <laughs> yeah. both of you guys did great. All right, oh, you've made you. it halfway through. You guys okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? Mine would be Commander Vimes from uh, the Discworld series. Oh wow! Yeah, he's. Probably the most fleshed out and uh, human of any character in that entire series. And I just like to basically check in to see where he is now, because since Terry Pratchett died, there's not going to be any more Discworld stuff. Uh, at least it doesn't sound like anybody's going to be ghostwriting any of it, which is completely fine by me. Because looking at how Dune turned out with ghostwriting, yeah, it can just be left where it is. But yeah, it would be nice to meet meet him, see see how he spent his retirement years, and hear a lot of the stories about what happened. Uh, second place would be from the same series, which would be Death, but for certain reasons, I don't really want to meet him too soon. No, no, no. 
That could also be the answer to your next question, too. <laughs> right. Um, I would love to meet the doctor. Either Dr. David or Dr. Matt. Uh, both of them. I, You know, I'm not gay, but I, Dr. David makes me swoon. And Matt is so dreamy that it's kind of like, ah. But, yeah, they, as far as new who's, they were my favorites. And it looked like it would be, other than escaping death every three or four minutes, a lot of fun. Exactly. You, you wouldn't be the same afterwards. Uh, no. And I think for, well, I was about to say for better reasons, but then I remembered what happened to the, uh, to Donna and, uh, yeah, yeah, but maybe I'll fare better than her. Hopefully you won't have, uh, you know, at least if you remember everything, your head won't explode. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What fictional characters would you like to meet the least? Uh, the least one I'd probably want to meet would be in Yarlathotep. Because he's the only elder god that really uh, interferes too much with humanity. And if you ever read uh, The Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, he likes to sit there and talk and talk and talk. <laughs> so I'd be bored before he tried to even kill me. I'd, I'd probably be asleep by the time he tried to kill me or something. <laughs> totally understand that. All right. See, this is why this kind of sort of sets up the dynamic of our podcast. Uh, as you can see, Eric is very smart and that's he. And as I explained in our very first episode where we were introducing each other, Eric knows things. Eric's smart. He's done lots of reviews. He, he's, he's, he's good with the wording and stuffage. Me, I'm the rube who thinks the song makes me happy. So I like, so I think that, uh, <laughs> Eric's answer is going to prove it here because he's saying things and I'm kind of like, what, who? <laughs> As for the character I would least like to meet, um, I'm thinking Darth Vader. He, I tend to crack wise about pretty much almost everything. He doesn't strike me as someone who has a sense of humor. So I know I'm going to make some sort of crack about him. And that's it for me. I'm choked and lightsaber th flung through me and, That'd be the end of me. Make short work of me in a short time. I could see that, you know, Darth Vader's one of our number one answers. Yeah. So could understand that. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, or quote? Well, one of the other things I geek out of, I geek out over is cooking shows. So I've been going through all my old episodes that have gathered of uh, food network star. So one of the favorite, favorite quotes out of that was, uh, the 2017 season, I believe it was uh, a guy named Jason one and his, one of his little things was butter my butt and call me a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that one. Yep. <laughs> well, there's something else I can add to my fetish list. I've never tried that. Sounds interesting. <laughs> um, nerds is when I say a lot. Nerds. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Pounded pound okay. out your porthole. I seem to get a lot of my, Geek phrases from Frank Burns when he's angry. He just seems like can the balloon juice or pound it out your porthole. Mm -hmm. I might say like a little that. bit too much right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think this is the first time anyone's ever quoted Frank Burns on this uh, podcast. So um, he's, he's very quotable. <laughs> he is. <laughs> yeah. What is your ideal geek occupation? Antique store with a nice healthy record section in it. Ooh, I like that. 
I do too. I <laughs> do. Wow. Um, but uh, my ideal geek occupation, I think, would be somebody who builds vast Lego cityscapes, and just that's the kind of thing I want. Uh, you know, I always wanted to be a highly just come into a huge bucket of money, so that I could afford to build like. I don't know, just a sep- a whole wing of the house or even just a, a warehouse where I could have it filled with this huge Lego land, including giant skyscrapers. So if I can get a job building giant Lego cityscapes, that, that'd be sweet. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. That is really, really awesome. But what geek occupation would you not like to do? Video game coding. Oh, my God. Ugh. Oh, sitting there at a computer... <laughs> Me sitting there typing in code after code after code while you got somebody standing behind you like an overseer whipping you up, <laughs> paying you uh, seven bucks an hour. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and actually, high tech is our number one answer on the show. Uh, I don't think I would like to be canon canon executive for Star Trek because it seems like <laughs> they don't listen to you. No. No. The Starfleet did not look like that 10 years before Kirk and Spock. Here's the cage. This is what it looked like. If you want to do your show to look like this, why don't you set it after the next generation or or um, or the uh, or Voyager? Nah, we're not going to do that. We're just going to make it look all futuristic. That does not fit in with the timeline that we say this is at. So, Didn't they come up with something in Discovery where you could beam across the universe or something mm-hmm. don't go there no. okay <laughs> no. i i, I haven't that. watched because i uh, i haven't wanted to pay the money to watch it even though picard is now interesting me though yeah um, of course yeah i lost interest after the third episode because it seemed to be moody and brooding and dark and everybody was cranky with each other and they're fighting and it's just that's not star trek yeah and then the i Orville was much better star trek than star trek Sounds, oh, more like, sounds more like Zack Snyder's universe instead. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. Orville is awesome, though. Oh, I love so, the Orville. Orville has been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Are you guys ready for your final question in the geek seat? Yes. Do it. All right. What <laughs> is your ultimate geek fantasy? And just try to remember, we are a family-friendly show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So none of, none of my fanfic about Kate Bush. Okay. Um, you tell me about that later if you want. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Notting Hill stuff would be interesting to hear. <laughs> Ultimate geek fantasy is to find a copy of a residence record called Santa dog sitting in somebody's estate sale for a dollar. <laughs> if, if for just for reference, it typically goes for about two to 3000. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Okay. Wow. That's impressive. (laughs) Uh, My geek fantasy is actually probably pretty popular. I would love to have a TARDIS. Uh, Not only just for the space to set out a huge Legoland and have a huge record collection. Um, I've always been interested in history, past and future. I think it would be great to actually go to actual historical moments, actually see them and, and experience the moment there and not just in a book or on a TV show. And I'd like to know what's coming in the future, especially maybe Saturday with whatever Powerball numbers are drawn and then come back. Well, the doctor already did that with Donna. So 
He did do that. Yes. Yes. So that's so. that would that would be another perk of traveling with the doctor. Um. So I think it would be. I I would just love to travel through time and. Oh, and also get all those Jonathan Brandmeier shows that I missed, and then maybe mm. dangle them in front of that guy. Eh, eh. You want these? Eh. So you if you something, so Eric, if you had the TARDIS, what shape would your TARDIS be in? Hmm. Would Family be, friendly. Would it be? The, <laughs> yeah. Would it be the ELO space station? Would it be you know something Lego? Would it be the the phone book? Um. See, that's a tough one to pick i do love the classic design of the uh police box but uh assuming i had a fully functional tardis with the chameleon circuit working uh wouldn't be something to think about what would I, that's you know that's so, something that i never actually gave thought about well we can have you um, on our doctor who podcast sometime and you can answer that i can i can ponder this one over and see what i come up with yeah yeah that would be awesome mm-hmm. well guys i've got great news You've made it through the Geek Seat. Congratulations. Ooh, is there a check involved? <laughs> you guys are funny. You know, we Did usually you say get... chick involved or check involved? <laughs> we usually do give uh, currency, but it's all in station funds. So it's only worth something up here on the station. Uh, I was hoping mm. for ski ball tickets. Oh, I know, I know. That, that's two floors down, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, we do have that available for you. But thank you guys for joining us so, so much. Uh, one more time, you know, you want to promote the podcast? It's Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast. New episodes upload midnight Eastern time every Saturday. Um, uh, by the time you hear this, we'll be starting starting to cover the songs from Out of the Blue. So their big album that a lot of people love. And, and some people any, hate. And I will not say, I'll not give any spoilers other than that. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Actually, while I have you guys here, one quick question about the podcast itself. Mm-hmm. How far are you guys going to go? Are you going to go all the way to like Wembley Live or how how's that going to work? Um, For a while, I was, I didn't know which. Do, do we cover live albums or not? Because... Uh, what are we going to be able to say about these live versions of songs we've already talked about? And I decided we will just do uh, the night the light went on in Long Beach. Cause right. I think that was a good spot for just reviewing what we've been through. Cause after on the third day after that album, they were like a completely different band. So I just, and then I thought, well, if we cover that, do we have to cover all the live albums? And then I looked into Wembley and bust. It's like 30 tracks. i don't want to to spend 30 weeks covering songs we've already talked about so it's like all right just the light went on to long beach and from um from wembley or bust just handle with care since there's no elo version of that prior to that so but my plan is every single song that elo ever released this includes bonus tracks however great or tedious or short and I hear there's going to be a new ELO album in October. So add that That's to plus. the list. Yeah. So um, as, as long as ELO albums keep coming out, we'll keep doing episodes up until the last released ELO song. Or that, one of us or both of us die, whichever comes first. 
or go off in the TARDIS. Yeah. Or the lawyers say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah about what you've been doing, here's a bill. Oh, 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 oh do <laughs> yeah. I, don't want to think about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Eric and Eric, it's been mm-hmm. a pleasure to talk to you guys tonight. Thank you it, so much for joining us. Thank, oh, you. thank you. It's been fun to do this. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. And we are reviewing Godzilla, King of the Monster. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Air Station One podcast. We're going to get out of here now, and we are going to be talking about movies again next week. So it should be a lot of fun. We got some great people lined up for that episode. So we will see you here next time on the Air Station One podcast. Peace. And we're done. Ta-da. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.